We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. And joining me is the lovely one, the great one, the fun one, Michael. He just bought a mattress, Fachi. Fachi, what's going on, brother? Hey, Mattress Mike over here. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. Actually, we have a fun one today because we have, we've gotten past All-Star Weekend, and now we're talking about the rest of the season. Final 22 games for the Pacers those are going to be some pivotal ones as we learn more of the direction of where this franchise is going. Yeah, there's a lot of things to break down here, Fachi. I've got a list of things that I want to bring up in terms of where they're at. So I guess I'll just jump into it real quick, and then you can kind of take the reins from there. But right now, the Pacers are currently the 12th seed in the Eastern Conference. They have the 23rd toughest schedule remaining, so the 8th easiest. They're currently the 6th worst team in the NBA. They've lost 16 of their last 19 games. Like you said, they have 22 games left. 13 of them are on the road. Nine of them are at home. They're just 8-20 and 20 on the road, Fachi, and 18-14 and 14 at home. So, you know, there are some interesting things there. But looking at the schedule, they play some tough games at home. They got Boston, the Sixers twice, the Rockets, the Mavericks, the Bucks, the Thunder, the Knicks, and the Pistons. Then on the road, they've got... Three road trips, okay? They've got Orlando, Dallas, San Antonio, and Chicago, which that seems like they can do decent on that. That's a four-game road trip. Then they got a three-game road trip where they play Detroit back-to-back and then Milwaukee. And then they're on another four-game road trip against Charlotte, Toronto, Boston, and Atlanta, and then finish it out playing Cleveland and New York. So, you know, there's only two back-to-backs remaining, Chicago and Philly. That's a back-to-back, and that'll be, I think, a road and a home game, road-home split. The other one's on the road, Boston and Atlanta. So, 
And that's the the last two games of that final four game road trip. So there's a lot to dissect with everything I just said, Fachi. But I just wanted to say, like, it feels like it's going to be very tough, even though their schedule, their strength of schedule isn't as tough. No, it is. You mentioned that the strength of schedule, I mean, eighth easiest in the league, I believe you said, right? Yeah, eighth easiest. Yeah. So one thing that's going to be interesting is after that Boston game, uh, the Thursday of this upcoming week at home, 11 of the next 14 are on the road. Yeah. That is tough for anybody, especially that's... when you mentioned Pacers just 8 and 20 on the road. Alex, by the time they play that first road game, it will have been two months since the Pacers even won a road game. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's not going to be easy. And look, that last road win, that was against the Miami Heat when Halliburton hit the game winner. So it's just like, that was like, that felt like a lifetime ago. That was mm-hmm. we were celebrating so much. There has not been that much to celebrate since. Uh, but you mentioned Pacers have uh, lost 16 of the last 19. They did beat Chicago just before the All Star break. I felt like they needed a win at some point. Like it was good to be able to like if you're going to have a break, at least you've won a game. Problem is Chicago is right on our tails in terms of one of the teams with you know they have the seventh worst record. Yeah, right, out there seventh. I believe. They're 11th or 12th right now in the standings. So the Pacers and Chicago are separated by just a half game. One thing you got to factor in, the Chicago Bulls draft pick is top eight protected. Otherwise, it goes to Orlando Magic. So they have reasons to to tank. They also Mm -hmm. have a team that is looking to win. Chicago is just in such a weird space. But that's a win that I feel like the Pacers, you know, at least the fan base, could regret come draft time, given how close Chicago is to us and how close we were to jumping the Magic for the fifth worst record. So, man, I mean, it's going to be hard to catch the teams in the bottom four. Houston, San Antonio, Detroit, Charlotte. Feels like record-wise, we're not going to be able to catch them. Maybe we could jump them in the lottery, but that win against Chicago may have been a costly one. Yeah, it could have been. Now, I will tell you this, Fachi. I was I was looking at the schedule. I put the schedule out on Twitter and I and I put a pull up and I said, how many wins did the Pacers get the rest of the season? So the options were 16 to 22, 10 to 15, 6 to 9, or 1 to 5. The overwhelming majority was 6 to 9 wins, 59% is what people said. Now their second closest was 10 to 15 for 22%, and then 1 to 5 was 16%, and then 3% only had the Pacers winning 16 of their last 22, which I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, I was just putting the option on there in case somebody felt like they were going to go on this massive run and, and do what they did in December. But, you know, looking at the schedule, let's just go through it game by game. We'll we'll predict the schedule, Fachi, just for fun, because everybody loves when we do predictions around here. Now, we're not going to be doing no betting with anybody on this no. one. We've already, you know, dug our hole on that one. So, anyway, let's start here. Boston at home Thursday, returning from the All-Star break winner loss. That's a loss. Okay, on the road at Orlando. I'm I'm going to say a loss. They just haven't won in on the road in two months. Orlando, they're they're a young, promising team. I agree. So we're zero two, both of us. Now they go to Dallas to play Kyrie and Luca. That's a loss. So zero three coming back from the break. Now they're heading to San Antonio. After that, we beat San Antonio. Okay, so one and three. Then we close out the road trip at Chicago. I think we lose to Chicago because we – Chicago's actually – I you know, they're like two of our 
Yeah, I have to say two of our last. There, there are two of our last three wins. Yeah, and we've we've come back in dramatic fashion of like twenty plus points in each of those. So I think Chicago finally gets revenge against us. Yeah, and it's the last game of a road trip. Those are always mm-hmm. hard too. So I'm gonna agree with you. So we're one and four now. Now we're coming home to play Philly on the second out of a back to back. We're gonna lose that game. All right, one and five. Then we have a day off. And then we play Houston. I think we beat Houston at home. Okay. Then we are on the road for our back to back against Detroit. Let's just say we split against Detroit. Okay, so three and six is where we're both at now on this. I agree with you. I think we're going to lose one of those one of those Detroit games. Wouldn't surprise me if we won both, but yeah, could happen. I, I feel like a split seems more likely. Um, then we got Milwaukee. I'll be at that game. Hey, nice. I, I just we, Milwaukee. I mean, that is just such a tall task. So yeah, I, I'm going to say that's an L. So we're three and seven. Then we come home and we got Philly waiting for us again. Mm-mm. Never fun. I think Philly takes us down. All right, three and eight. I'm with you. Charlotte on the road to start out a road trip. I think we could beat Charlotte. I, th- yeah. I think we, I'm going I'm to say we win. Yeah, I say four and eight. And then I'm going to say three losses here in a row. Fachi, Toronto, I agree. Boston, Atlanta. So um, now we're at, I don't think we beat any of those teams. Yeah, we don't, but also I, I think that, that losing streak continues. Uh, next two games, Dallas and Milwaukee. Ugh, yeah. I, I just don't And OKC. Yeah, OKC, they're officially at that point where it's like you just can't overlook them. They've been very competitive this year. So that that's a that's a very much a toss-up game, but I feel like OKC probably takes that game because the Pacers are down to their final, you know, five games of the season. If it looks anything like last season did when the Pacers lost their final ten games, it's not gonna be a good one. All right. So how many wins do we have now? We have we have the Charlotte win, we have a Detroit win, we have a Houston win and a Spurs win. So we got four. Okay, so now we're on the road against Cleveland. No, that's a loss. So we're going to lose one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe, yeah, seven in a row there, Fachi. You think so? I hope. I mean, I don't want to say I hope not, <laughs> I but hope. at the same point, it's, I don't it know would, what to say. It wouldn't be the worst case scenario. I mean, would, yeah. So then you go on the road and you're playing, or you're at home, excuse me, coming home after the Cleveland game, you're playing the Knicks. I'm going to say it's a loss because it, it, the Knicks will very much be like take treating that seriously as, hey, you know, they still got to lock down a playoff spot. Yeah, I, I think one of the things, too, it's like it's the last three games mm-hmm. of the season. So, you know, if the Pacers are positioning themselves to be a better lottery pick, I can see them losing that game by sitting players. Um, now, this is a game I actually think they're going to win is the Detroit game at home. It's the last game of the season at home. And yeah. I think they want to send the fans off with a victory. Of for the last game. So I think they're going to win that to get us to five wins. And then the Knicks on the road, I think they're going to end up losing that one as well. But the Knicks could sit their guys too as well to the rest for the playoffs if their spot is already determined. But I just think the Knicks are playing for a lot more. One thing I'll say is when in doubt, Alex, I will be in the building for that game. Oh, that's a loss. <laughs> Pacers are 0-4 with me in the building. Oh, man. Year. So when you really need a draft pick, just, just tag me in because I will be there. I, I think I, you know, as much as I would want that losing streak of mine, seeing the Pacers to be snapped, uh, I know how how vital an L is in that game against the Knicks for the last game of the regular season. So uh, let's chalk it up as an L. Okay, so we have a win versus San Antonio, a win versus Houston, two wins versus Detroit, and a win versus Charlotte. That's the only wins we have so far. I believe that's five, right? That's five. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they I'm gonna go ahead and change my pick. I'm gonna go ahead and just be different. I think they're gonna end up winning three in a row. They're gonna beat Houston at home and beat Detroit back to back. I think they're gonna win those three and then go on a very long losing spell there of like 
I think it's uh, nine and nine out of 10 games are going to lose. Milwaukee, Philly, Toronto, Boston, Atlanta, Dallas, Milwaukee, OKC, Cleveland, and even New York right there. So, I mean, that's a lot of losses. So I'm going to go ahead and give them six wins, Flatchy. I think that's the most they – not the most, but I think they're going to get six. So right. that put me at six and 16 and you at five and 17, unless you want to change them. No, I'm going to stick with it, Alex. I was actually in the group that said one to five on that Twitter poll. Were you? I felt, uh, yeah, I felt that five. Was like, I was like, okay, I can see us winning five games. But when we really break it down – those five wins came against, you know, the five, four or five teams that are below us in the standings. Yeah. So, so think about that. It really doesn't say much about the confidence of this team moving forward to pull an upset over anyone when, you know, usually you want to factor in an upset. But this, that's where I'm at right now is I see the Pacers winning probably five at most six remaining games the rest of the regular season. I'm sure there's going to be some listeners hearing this right now that definitely want to argue with that. You were absolutely entitled to your own opinion. Um, So who knows what happens, but wins are going to be hard to come by, especially with the majority on the road. Well, at least that hard road trip, that road stretch that we have of 11 out of 14. Yeah. If they, if they want to max six games, it puts them at 32 wins for the season, 50 losses. So, you know, if they win five, 31 wins for the season. So, you know, I think because of what Kevin Pritchard said, Bachi, because I was going to ask you this, Kevin Pritchard did say, and we talked about it when we talked about his press conference, that they don't want to be 8th, ninth, or 10th. They they want to be in the playoffs or or they want a higher draft pick. And he was nicely saying, like, just be ready for a tank. But he didn't say that. We can't really talk about tanking because it's, like, not good for the branding. It's not good for the uh, the morale, I guess you could say, of the fan base and stuff like that. People just have a hard time accepting that. So we won't call it tanking, but – you know, just developing and seeing the bigger picture is how we'll word it. But I personally think, Fachi, this is a good opportunity for the Pacers to maybe play some more of their young guys. But do you think they should they should try to win games, or do you think they should just try to better themselves for a draft position? I think you got to go with the draft pick. You, yeah. you really do. And I have a couple of asks. I really want to develop some of these young guys. The remaining 22 games – I mean, I got a laundry list of asks of things that I want to see. I don't know if you, if you have any any things that come top of the mind for you, but I can either kick us off, and if you want to chime in with what you want to see, I'm down for that. But these remaining 22 games, Alex, we, we got to see something different. I feel like the Pacers can't just stay the course of what they've been doing because there's a lot of guys that have not been developed this year, and it's been very unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess – I guess we can just go back and forth, yeah. sharing one thing at a time. Um, I didn't specifically write anything down, mm-hmm. so these are all coming off the top of my head. But the first thing I would like to see, and I kind of hinted at it on our All-Star uh, Weekend uh, Review podcast, I want to see Ben Matherin start. I want to see him at least start 12 of the last 22 games next to Halliburton. I want to see what he can do with him. And even if Buddy's there, I don't care. I just think that... At this point, we need to see him and Halliburton together as much as possible. I don't care about what the bench looks like scoring-wise. Let Duarte kind of do his thing there. Give Matherin a chance to start next to Halliburton and see what he can do as that starter. I'm with you on that. One of the things I had was unleash Matherin. And at that point, you know, just it starts with putting him in the starting lineup. We saw that that Bulls game, uh, Andrew Nemhard went to the bench. TJ McConnell went to the starting lineup. That does not feel like a permanent move. That was a move. terrible idea. It, it was awful. I mean, the first quarter was miserable. Pacers got outscored 39 to 15. So I, I think at this point, McConnell is going to go back to the bench. 
This is now every opportunity to start Benedict Matherin. So I am very curious to see what they do in that Celtics game, but it, it's time. And one other thing, when you're talking about how that's going to work, look, Buddy Heald, at this point, he ain't going to the bench. He, no. he started every game as a Pacer. The man has played in every single game this season, as well as Benedict Matherin. They played in all 60 games. So that's awesome to see. But the starting lineup, it starts right there. Next, um, I want Jalen Smith to be back in the rotation consistently. I, I, I The last couple of games, I've been rubbed wrong because look, look at this. I mean, with Turner out, we saw against the Utah Jazz, we saw Jalen Smith not log a single second against Utah. Then with Tice out and Isaiah Jackson, you know, only playing five minutes against the Bulls, Jalen Smith plays just six minutes against Chicago, all mm-hmm. of which was in the fourth quarter. At this point, his minutes have dwindled down every single month it went from 25.3 to 22.8 to 16.2 to 14.3 and now in february just 7.3 minutes per game only four appearances alex it's been nearly a month since he's even logged 10 minutes in a game that's ridiculous i mean this is a guy that has talent he's not played great this year i'll be honest no he has not but I think he's learned his lesson. Maybe after the all-star break, give him some time to, you know, just maybe refocus and, and get a break from everything that's going on and give this guy a chance. Like Daniel Tice, we know what Daniel Tice is. We don't need to see Daniel Tice the rest of the season. I mean, I understand that you have to play your veterans some because they're not going to want to just be sitting on the bench for the last 22 games. And, you know, he's healthy enough to play. I, I don't mind if he plays a little bit, but it's just like we cannot stunt the growth of, Jalen Smith or Isaiah Jackson. And I understand that the coaches, they see what they can do in practice. They see how they've done things on the floor all season long. But I think that everything is situational. I think that you can only determine so much by what they do in practice, give them a chance to reprove themselves. You know, same for Isaiah Jackson. Like, yeah, he started to slowly get more minutes, Fachi, but it still feels like you talked about it. He's not getting very many more than he had last year. So nope. it's like, you got to let these guys develop a little bit. So I'm I'm with you there. I think, you know, you talked about that starting lineup, and, and if Benedict, Benedict Matherin comes to it, I think you got to put Nimhard on the bench. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're going to bench him for TJ McConnell, because I guess McConnell played pretty good defense on Zach Levine two games ago when we won that one game. So you try to find that match again. I personally just think, you know, let Nimhard have a chance to last like five to ten games to run the second unit. Yep. See what he looks like and, and kind of just play McConnell sparingly minutes, like, or just give him some time off or a couple games here and there, just because I want to see what Nimhart can do as that backup point guard by himself because he struggled as a starter when Halliburton was out, but I want to see what he can do as the backup point guard. I'm with you because, you know, we know when he was in the, the starting lineup, it's like he's the fourth to fifth option. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, depending on how Aaron Neesmith is playing on, on any given night. And it doesn't just doesn't feature him enough. With that second unit, I feel like we could see him look more like he looked at times without a Halliburton or maybe earlier in the season. And just, I don't know, I, I think that that's what we need to see from him. But to your point about you know Daniel Tice, that's on my list of like, Tice does not need to be out there every mm-hmm. game. Like he's now rested two of the last three games following the trade deadline. And I like that. I, I really do. I, I think that at this point, Daniel Tice is not going to be part of the long-term plans of the Pacers, I would assume. So I don't think that he needs to be an every-night rotation guy. And that creates an opportunity for Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. And and I know you touched on Isaiah Jackson, but it's just like 
man, like I want to see this guy either, you know, take the backup five spot or at least consistently log 15 to 20 minutes a night. You know, I know he averages 15.3 minutes on the season, but he's had quite a few did not play coaches decisions Mm -hmm. uh, over the season. And then many times where he plays, you know, one to five minutes. So that's something that it's like, man, Isaiah Jackson, we knew when the Patriots draft him young, raw, but it's like now we're, we're starting to get closer to finishing up year two. And I still feel like we there's a lot more that we want to see from him. So I really look forward to seeing more Isaiah Jackson over the final 22 games. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think Isaiah Jackson, he has a ton of potential, Fletcher. We believe in him. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a mistake to trade him right now. I think you got to wait out, wait it out a little bit longer and see what he can become. I think another guy that we've kind of not we've, – we've accepted that he might not be here long term, and that's Chris Duarte. I thought he played pretty well against the Bulls. I thought he showed some some signs there. He was a true professional not playing in that Jazz game when he probably should have got run, but they gave it to George Hill and, and Jordan Awara. He didn't even play in that game against the Bulls, so they went back to their normal rotation, and I think that was more Carlisle just trying to see what he had. And probably, and I'll just be honest, realizing that this is a Jazz team they could be if it was their healthy roster and maybe just trying to you know give these guys an opportunity against a team that is lesser where they may be able to you know, lose that game as well. So um, that's just my opinion on it. I might be completely wrong, but I just don't understand why you would just mess up your whole entire rotation because uh, George Hill and the war are here. Like they're not guys that are going to be game changers by any stretch of the means. So, um, but yeah, I definitely think that they need to let Chris Duarte have a solidified role off the bench. He should play the rest of the 22 games here because if he's not going to be here long-term, I still think you need to see what you have in him see if maybe he can find something that works. Maybe him and Nemhard work really well together off the bench. That can be a really nice duo moving forward in terms of your your second unit. Or you get his trade stock up even higher than it was. Obviously, he had a rough year coming off the injury and stuff like that. Let him go out there and showcase what he can be. I think that Duarte is a talented enough player that there's going to be teams interested, but they just need to see a larger sample size in, in year two. And I think the final 22 games could be a really nice chance for him to do that. I'm 1000% with you. It's, it's on my list is like, you got to figure out, is he part, is Duarte part of this future or not? I don't know where he's going to be able to get consistent minutes from. If Halliburton, Matherin and Buddy are all logging like 30 plus minutes. And then you've got Nemhard and McConnell also playing 20 minutes per game. It, it seems really hard. I don't know if McConnell is going to need to take a back seat. I don't know if maybe, you know, I don't know if Buddy's just going to lose some minutes. I don't know how it's going to go about, but like Torte's got to be involved. He has to because I don't want to see him ever just be like a throw-in in a trade because, oh, well, we don't really have a role for him. This is someone that we were super high on, had one of the best Pacer rookie seasons in quite some time, and now we've gotten to the point we're at now. It's just kind of sad. So I really feel like the final 22 games, I want to see a healthy dose of Chris Duarte. Yeah, for sure, Bachi. Do you have anything else on your list? Yeah, I do. And just to kind of round it off is um, also one last you – know, I'll get to it later. But look, uh, Jordan Ward, I want to see. Is he a part of the future or not? Just two games, not a large enough sample size. I know he went scoreless against the Bulls. But if he's going to be getting minutes, it's going to come at the expense of O'Shea Brissett, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I, I really think so. And that's another guy where if you work – you know, Noir in there, someone else is coming out of the rotation. But 
Jordan is under contract next season, $4 million, you know, not a lot, still a young player. I- I'm excited, but I want to see more to know, like, is this guy, does he have like Neesmith potential or is he sort of maybe the 14th, 15th guy in the rotation? So I want to see more of him. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I definitely want to see more of him and I want to see more of Kendall Brown. Oh, uh, of, of course. I want to. I want to see what he. I want to see what he can be this year as well. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a good opportunity for him in the last ten games. Like you said, there's some tough games out there. Just put him out there and see what he can do because you got to find out if he's a guy you want to keep around. So that to me is something to keep an eye on as well. Um, but it's going to be hard because there are a lot of guys that you want to see. But I, I'm not too concerned about seeing O'Shea as much. I, I definitely no, just. Neither am I. I definitely just want to see. What can what can happen here with um, with Kendall Brown and giving him an opportunity now? Trevor and Queen, if you want to bring him up as well, maybe see what you got in him. I'm fine with that, but I'm more so focused on Kendall because they traded up to get him in the second round. He seems like a guy they really they really covet. No, exactly. I mean, someone that we talked about how excited we were on draft night when the Pacers did make that move, barely even seen him. It feels like in order for Kendall Brown to get involved, like at some point the Pacers are going to have to shut someone down. I feel like for the rest of the season, just to be able to open up enough minutes, because we named a bunch of guys that we want to see more of, but outside of Daniel Tice, it's really hard to know who who's going to be losing minutes. Mm-hmm. So Tice, Brissett, probably see less minutes in the final 22 games of the season. Maybe TJ McConnell is like an ultimate pro about it, even though McConnell's played real well. Maybe he takes a, a bit of a back seat for some guys, but it's going to be hard to get these many guys out there to be showcased. But we have a lot of questions as the Pacers go into having four picks and arguably the top 32. We know that's far too many picks, but yeah. hey, if you're going to use them, who, who's got to be going? You know, we, we, Terry Taylor's no longer here. Goga's no longer here. O'Shea's heading towards free agency. Outside of that, the rest of the guys that we've mentioned, they're under contract mm-hmm. for at least next year. So the Pacers, either they're going to have to make some trades in the offseason or, you know, some of these guys got to really show something to be able to stick around. Yeah, I think uh, George Hill's a free agent, so we know that he mm-hmm. could be on the move as well now. I, I'm curious to see how this all plays out, but I think what's going to be a fun storyline to watch, Fachi, as well, is can Tyrese Halliburton break Mark Jackson's record for most assists in a season? He's currently trailing by 230 assists. Now, if you divide that by 22 games left, that would mean he has to average 10.45 assists a game. He's already averaging 10 assists a game. Do you think there's a chance he can average 11 a game over the next 22 games? Oh, this hurts knowing that he's that close because now it's like, if he didn't have that stretch where he missed all that time, you know, yep. three weeks, then he definitely shatters this record. Now he would have to play in every remaining game, also averaging 11 assists. We went through it where it doesn't seem like the Pacers are going to, you know, win many games, but maybe if he does have a couple like 15 assist games like he did last year, it's definitely possible. But I kind of feel like my gut saying that he's going to fall just shy and it's going to, yeah. you know, have to do with the time missed. Yeah, and I think there's because he only he's only played in 48 of the possible 60 games so far, so he's missed 12 games, which makes sense. 48 games, averaging uh, 10 point. How many assists again? Nafachi 10.1, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you know he's right there. I mean he's he would have like you said shattered it 
had he averaged that, he would have had 820 if he had played all 82 games. So that to me is like, he's really close. I could see him maybe wanting to break it just to like set the record for his like first full season in Indy. I could see it. Breaking that record, especially after Buddy just broke Reggie's record. Like it just seems like a really cool opportunity and something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I, w- I would just say it's going to be tough. And I think there's probably a possibility that Tyrese doesn't play in every one of these last 22 games. That's the thing. I don't know. And, and look, we don't want to risk any of these players. There's a couple of guys that you know are going to want to play in every game. Buddy Heald and Benedict Matherin feel like those two. For Halliburton, you might want to give him off like a night here or there just to just to keep him fresh. Um, so if he misses any games, it feels like the record goes away. But for Halliburton, I got to say this. When he came on our show, he was like, man, I, I want to be a 20 and 10 guy. I want to make an all-star game. And he, and he did it. Mm. So I feel like he knows, you know, I don't want to say he's like stat chasing because he's not. But like if he knows the record's like that close, I feel like he's really going to put a bit more of an emphasis on you know distributing the ball even more than scoring. But for Mark Jackson, I'm looking at it right now, uh, his franchise record, he played all 82 games that year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean – it, to no surprise, Halliburton, he would have blew it out of the water if he played even, I don't know, 72, you know, 75, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been spectacular this year, Fachi. So um, that is all that I had in terms of, like, my preview for the rest of the season. I guess I would just say, to kind of give my final thoughts on everything, it's just like, let's develop. Let's aim for a better draft pick. I think there's a lot of nice talent here in the top 10. So I wouldn't be a po- I wouldn't be upset if we got like the eighth overall pick, but I would can definitely like put myself in a position where the Pacers can move up into that top four, similar to what Sacramento did, because I feel like there is a that big of a difference to me between four and like five, six, and seven. So I think my top four, which we'll get to draft stuff here soon. I've already been working on my big board. I just think my top four is in its own tier by itself, personally. So you know, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see where we fall. But I would I would just love to get a better draft pick get some more talent on this team. And that way we can really start pushing for the playoffs because I would love to see them get back into that postseason contention because losing 16 or 19 games, flashing, that is not fun. That is boring. Yeah. And we're going to have probably something very similar towards the end of this year, in my opinion, where we probably lose like 10 of 12 or 10 of 13. It's just going to be a tough stretch for the Pacers because other teams are really competing and we have to look at the bigger picture and get ourselves right for the draft. But, um, I'm all about development. I'm all about trying to get better. So with that being said, can you give me your final thoughts on what you think the Pacers should do for the rest of the season? Yeah, you got to go for that draft pick because, look, we're not used to rebuilding like this. It feels like the last, like, year and a half have definitely been dedicated. I I guess you would say dedicated towards a rebuild. I know the Pacers got off to a hot start uh, to start this year. Mm -hmm. But Pacer fans are not going to be as patient next year. Like, I really feel like this could be a, hey, you know what? We're going in the offseason with cap space. We're going in with solid draft capital. There's good young players. You nailed the sixth overall pick in Benedict Mather. Andrew Nemhart has showed a lot of great stuff at pick 31. But now it's like next year we want to be trying to win. We want to be either a yeah. playoff team or at least in the play-in. Like next year, I think for the play-in is like, okay, that that's not that bad. Hey, we're we're trying to win. We're we're trying to be competitive. This year, it felt like that was like a ugh, like that's not where we want to be. But uh, after this season, it, it's go time. 
So, and and you're going to start to, you know, Turner's going to be under contract with the, with the new extension. Halliburton's going to be heading towards his max extension. Like it, the Pacers are getting to a point where you got to make your decision on Buddy. So for the remainder of this season, just have it dedicated towards developing the youth and solidifying one more really good draft pick before you make a run at it all. So that's where I'm at. If the Pacers only end up winning five or less games for the remaining 22 games, I'm fine with that because I know the direction of where we're going and how positive it is. We we just got to do it right. And my last point on this, we talk about nailing the Benedict Matherin pick. Uh, Two games ago against the Utah Jazz, which we forgot to discuss, Matherin became just the fifth Pacer rookie Mm. to score 1,000 points and the first since... 1987 all right that is the first time in our lifetime so it just feels like it's been a long time since the Pacers have had a rookie this promising it was Chuck Person who last did it for the Pacers so man you couldn't have asked for more with that draft pick at sixth overall and the Pacers made magic happen with Benedict Matherin. Benedict Matherin has been really awesome. It'd be really fun to kind of talk about him in the offseason, kind of projecting where we can see him going and stuff like that. Yeah. But want to want to say all that for the offseason. There's no reason to talk about that now. I mean, we're still focused on the last 22 games. And I'm hoping that, you know, everybody is crowned Boncaro as the rookie of the year. I've got people messaging me asking me, like, do you think that Boncaro is really better than Matherin? I'm like, yeah, I mean, he is a really good player. He does a lot more different things. He's a different position. I mean, it's just it's it's tough because you know I don't want Matherin to be labeled as oh just a guy that comes off the bench and just scores and doesn't pass yeah. the ball and doesn't play defense and is just a scorer like no he's not Jordan Poole that's not who he is okay so I think there's a lot more to his game I just feel like you know we we haven't seen yet what he can do and I think we're slowly starting to see him make adjustments as a player I think he's gotten better defensively on ball Fachi yes. He's still got work to do, but I love the little wrinkles, the wrinkles that he's added into his offensive game for sure. Not been shooting the ball particularly well from three for like the good part of the last, like I'd say 35 plus games. He's not shot the ball well, but you know, he's found that mid range game a little bit here and there, the floaters, stuff like that is passing. It's not good, but it's gotten better. So it's like, I think you're seeing development from him, but you haven't seen him fully develop. So that's okay. I mean, Paul George was very raw when he was a a rookie for the Pacers and, you know, he bloomed and he blossomed in year two and year three onto the scene. And I think there's a chance Matherin could do something similar to that. So just got to continue to let him thrive and be put in positions where he can, where he can be his best. And I think that eventually, you know, Carlisle is going to have to bite the bullet and just let the man start and let the man play next to your best player in Halliburton and see what you got. No, I'm with you on that. And I know at times we've gotten mad at Carlisle for, oh, Matherin only played 13 minutes or 20 minutes, but he's holding everybody accountable. He is. And and it's not – and, like, how uh, Matherin's always been able to score, but it, it feels like Carlisle wants to hold him accountable on both ends of the floor, and it's going to make him a better player long-term. So it's like – he can't just only use that messaging on like, you know, like a, a Jalen Smith or maybe like a Chris Duarte. Like, it's got to be across the team. And I, I think for the remaining 22 games, it's like, okay, you could be hard on Don't only play him 13 minutes. Like let's, you know, coach him through it. But I, I do like the fact that he has bought in the defense more and more. And I think he's only going to benefit from that hard coaching. 
Absolutely, Fashi. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Tell people where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace 3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenMBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go ahead. Go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast. Right over there, you can find us. You can subscribe to our show and tell us what you think in the comment section. We love your feedback, good or bad, just because we want to hear from you. But with that being said, Fashi, if you're excited for the Pacers to get back in action, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.